The marshmallow test was a 1972 psychological experiment by a professor of psychology at Stanford University, and it was designed to study self-control in children. The, the study was really very simple. Uh, it involved children, young children, I, I think ages three to five and a half, and a, a grad student who was, who was helping to run it would take the child into a room, uh, put a plate with a marshmallow in front of the child and say, you can either have this marshmallow or you can wait 15 minutes and you'll get a second marshmallow. And so then the student would leave and, and the, the child would, would have to exercise all his or her willpower to try and get that second marshmallow. Well, the study became famous because they followed, uh, followed up with these children years later. And they found that in general, those children who were able to wait 15 minutes to get the second marshmallow were more successful as adults in general. And I should say that recently this study has come under fire. There have been those who are, who are challenging its findings. I mention it because I'm convinced our society views Christianity as something like a life-sized version of the marshmallow test, right? That Christianity essentially tells us to repress um, our desires to do what we want to do, to repress um, our desires to have fun and let loose and enjoy the fullness of life, that the moral commands that we believe come from God, that they restrict us from experiencing the fullness of life. And we see this in pop culture, you know, there, there are actually numerous examples of this. Uh, one that comes to mind is the 1980s uh, popular movie Footloose with Kevin Bacon. Um, if, you're, if you're not familiar with this story, um, why I'm mentioning it, there's, you know, the, the villain in this story, if you will, is a, a Protestant minister who convinces the city council uh, to ban dancing and rock and roll music, right? So in this movie, uh, it's a very popular movie, organized religion is seen as something that restricts uh, restricts the kids who just want to have fun, right? They just want to dance and drink and be out late and listen to rock music and you kind of religion's being a wet blanket or whatever. Now, I don't mean to pick on Footloose, you know, it's not, oh, uh, I'm not saying it's some horrible movie, um, but it, it's one example of many in our pop culture of essentially treating Christianity like a life-sized version of the marshmallow test, essentially saying repress your desire to live life to the full now and you'll get to experience an even better reward in heaven. All right? Why I'm taking issue with that is very clearly in our gospel today, Jesus says the exact opposite. He says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. What is this abundant life Christ is talking about? Well, as I was thinking about how to answer that, my mind kept going back to the temptation of Christ at the beginning of his public ministry. If you remember, when Christ goes out to the desert for 40 days, he fasts and is tempted by Satan. And at the first temptation, Satan comes to him and says, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones be turned into bread. And Jesus responds with a line from Deuteronomy, man does not live by bread alone, but by uh, every word which comes forth from the mouth of God. And you might think, okay, what does that have to do with abundant life? Well, if you think about it, we all do need bread, right? We need bread. Bread sustains this material life of ours, this natural life of ours. 
It enables our natural life to grow uh, so that we can uh, come to maturity and, and be healthy adults, right? We need, we need food for that. But you know what? Man is not an animal, right? We have, um, we need more than just material sustenance. You know, Benedict XVI talked about this in his book, Jesus of Nazareth, and here's what he, what he had to say, quote, man lives on truth and on being loved, on being loved by the truth. He needs God. Of course, man also needs bread. He needs food for the body, but ultimately what he needs most in the, in, uh, what he needs most is the word, love, God himself, whoever gives him that gives him life in abundance. You know, it, it seems to dovetail nicely with, with what St. Augustine wrote so long ago. You have created us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. This is abundant life, not merely to live the life, uh, natural life below, but to live the supernatural life of grace, the supernatural life of intimate friendship with God that we are created for. This is what uh, it means to be living an abundant, flourishing life, to know and love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. But this is not an easy thing to do. Uh, it's not a natural thing to do. You know, to do it, you know, we must be grafted onto Christ. Or as he says in, in our gospel today, he says, I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever enters through me will be saved and will come in and go out and find, and, and find pasture. We receive this supernatural life of grace by being grafted onto Christ's mystical body and baptized. When we are baptized, Christ's life begins to live in us and we live in him. In baptism, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. And this divine indwelling, uh, this, this communion is meant to grow in our souls, right? It grows by the sacraments. It grows by prayer. Yet this side of heaven, the truth is, uh, the supernatural life of grace, um, there are dangers that threaten it. You know, we do have an enemy who seeks to snuff out the abundant life of grace in our souls, Good news is Jesus is a good shepherd, and if we stay close to him, we have nothing to fear. But out of his incredible love for us, he sends us additional protections and help uh, so that this abundant life um, may grow to maturity in us, right? So he doesn't just give us the bare amount of help to protect this supernatural life of grace. He sends us, if you to overuse a word, he sends us an abundance of divine assistance, of supernatural helps. One of those is his mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary. On the cross, Jesus said to St. John the Apostle, Behold your mother, and to Mary, behold your son. And that wasn't just said of John in particular. It was said of all followers of Christ down through the ages. Look, Jesus wants us to turn to his mother who will help us to grow in the spiritual life, just as our natural mothers helped us to grow in our natural life. And so we ought to respond just as St. John did at the foot of the cross when Christ said, Behold your mother. Uh, how, did, how did he respond? Well, John the Apostle took Mary into his home, and so we ought to do likewise. We ought to take her into our lives. We ought to turn to our mother who can, who can give us direction, who can teach us to follow Christ, who can uh, instruct us in the ways as well as intercede for us before the throne of Almighty God. 
We have to entrust ourselves to her maternal care. What does entrusting ourselves to Mary's eternal care look like? Maternal care look like. You know, um, my favorite example is the very words of Our Lady Guadalupe that she spoke to Juan Diego in the 16th century. Juan Diego was the the man who received on its tomb of the miraculous image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. But before he received that image, he was he was worried and anxious about the illness of his uncle and went to find a doctor. Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared to him and said, "Hear and let it penetrate into your heart, my dear little son. Let nothing discourage you, nothing depress you. Let nothing alter your heart or your countenance. Am I not here who am your mother? Are you not under my shadow and protection? Am I not your fountain of life? Are you not in the folds of my mantle, in the crossing of my arms? Is there anything else that you need? Do not fear any illness or vexation, anxiety or pain. End quote. Just as the care of a mother is most comforting to the little child, so it is with us, with our spiritual mother. We are all little children in the order of grace, and God in his goodness has provided us with a mother by whom we should receive every care that God wishes to give. So we ought to bring her into, her into our homes and trust her with our spiritual life so our spiritual mother by her intercession and maternal care can bring to fruition the abundant life of grace within us. And a great way to do this is to pray the rosary every single day. When Our Lady has appeared throughout the ages, this is one of the constants she has said. Pray the rosary every day. Pray it as a family. Um, Praying the rosary is a tried and true method of entrusting ourselves to Our Lady. And Pope Francis has asked us to pray the rosary every day in May. If the Mother of God comes down from heaven and tells us to pray the rosary daily, why in the world would we not do it? Christ came that we might have life and have it abundantly, and he sends his mother to be our mother in the order of grace, so that this abundant life might come to fruition might come to maturity in us. Let us follow the lead of St. John and take Mary into our homes and our lives by praying the rosary every single day.